Hello, and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Smile. I'm Simone de Rochefort. I'm a video producer at Polygon.com, and I'm joined tonight by Christina Warren, Senior Cloud Developer Advocate at Microsoft, and Brianna Wu, Democratic Candidate for Congress, and all lovers of social media. I think we can just get that right, our credentials right up front. We love it. Like us on Facebook. Like us on Facebook, please. We put our data there all the time. (laughs) So (laughs) in case you uh, haven't, like, seen any news this week, in case your parents haven't been sending you messages about how they're (laughs) really quitting Facebook for good this time, which my dad genuinely did this week, uh, Facebook is in another sort of crisis, much like our democracy. So... (laughs) The big story this week has been a New York Times report uh, confirming something that was that has been a story for a while, but it, it has resurfaced in the news that a political consulting firm called Cambridge Analytica uh, purportedly used private data from over 50 million Facebook users uh, when they were working on Trump's digital campaign in 2016. And uh, this data uh, was based, w- which is kind of, it's kind of in the gray on whether or not they used it or not, because nobody wants to admit to that. This data was gotten, taken from Facebook uh, via what was at the time a totally uh, permissible personality quiz made by uh, a researcher named Alexander Kogan, who uh, made it so that the app could access users' profile data, which is totally in the rules, as well as their friends' profile data, which at the time was also totally within the rules. So that's how he got basically 50 million profiles, uh, of which around 270,000 of which did actually consent to have their data harvested by the app. The rest is just like the horrifying tentacle of networks that grows when you have (laughs) friends of friends of friends of friends of friends on this social network. So this is different from other sort of uh, breaches. Not It's not a breach of data because it was all gained legally, but it is a breach of data in that Kogan was not supposed to sell it. It was against Facebook's terms that uh, data be sold, quote unquote, to any ad network, data broker, or other advertising or monetization related service. So that's kind of where, where where things became bad and that, that he specifically broke the rules and sold this data to Cambridge Analytica, again, the political consulting firm, which worked not just on Trump's campaign, but also on some other campaigns and with brands, et cetera. They, 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 were, very, they were very largely involved with the Brexit uh, campaign in the UK. Ha, 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 the plot thickens. So they had, they had denied that they had gotten the data or used the data Uh, But now they are acknowledging that they did have the data. Facebook learned this in 2015, I believe, and told them, hey, delete that. And they said, yeah, we deleted that. But uh, sources were telling the Times this week that, no, that's all those gigabytes of data. I I saw that. The millions of users' data is still there. They still have it. So that's a part that we're not quite – we don't have a a solid answer to that yet. But what we do have is sort of the – the horrendous worst case scenario of what happens when websites and apps are careless with the information that users 
maybe carelessly give to them and that no rules were technically broken here except for one person violated the well, a rule was technically broken that a person violated Facebook's trust but that data was all given to one uh, one firm uh, w- one researcher basically legally and then he did did bad things with it uh and you know we and this is just information that we again give to facebook in terms of like what we like uh who our friends are what we're interested in where we go this isn't private stuff in the sense that a password is private but it is something that could be constructed to create a profile of a person of a voter which can be manipulated and fed certain messaging to that's my summary <sighs> of the cambridge analytica disaster and, and can- can I say I think it's missing the point? I mean, that's a completely fair analysis of everything, Simone. But what I find so frustrating about this subject is we've turned the focus to like, did Cambridge Analytica destroy the data or sell the data or do anything with the data after the fact? And you know, Facebook's pointing fingers one way, Cambridge Analytica is doing it the other way. But it's not the point because all the horrible, nasty stuff you've just listed all is Facebook's fault. completely within the Facebook terms of service. And yep. it's yes. business is absolutely usual over there. So we can scream about that, but it doesn't really matter. It's not the large variable in this problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, and I also feel like, you know, a lot of people's kind of re- response to this has been immediately delete Facebook. Um, and there's a certain <laughs> irony with many of the media companies who are writing the delete Facebook stories who themselves have applications and employ the use of services. Trust me, this is absolutely a fact. They get a lot of the same information so that they can target them for ad buyers on their websites. Um, mm-hmm. And um, and, and also, you know, employ strategies to try to get people to like and share their content are writing now all these, you know, delete Facebook stories um, right. when, when you know, A, the information profile is already out there. So, okay, you're not, they're not going to get your new stuff, but, you know, they still have a profile of you and, and, and can likely, thanks to other services you use, still track you and follow you, you know, mm-hmm. over the internet. And, and B... You know, because of how oh, ingrained Facebook is into people's lives, it is not possible for everyone to give it up. And if anything, I, I would kind of argue, as, as as some people have, that it's kind of a privileged stance. I mean, you definitely have people yeah. like your dad, Simone, who are quitting for real this time. But there are people in certain countries where Facebook has made it, you know, its mission to say, okay, um, we will offer subsidized internet. And and as a condition of that service, you know, you're 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 using us, kind of like you know. Mm-hmm. Before the worldwide before before the World Wide Web, you know, people would access stuff through um, online, you know, services like like AOL and CompuServe. And so you have a lot of people who, in in certain countries, you know, the main way they can access the internet is using Facebook. So it's not really conceivable for them to say, "Well, I'm not going to use this." Uh, beyond that, I mean, you know, Facebook owns WhatsApp, Facebook owns Instagram, and um, it, it's just not realistic to say, "Okay, well, I'm going to give up every aspect." Of this social how, network. How about mm-hmm. this? Like Facebook's monopolistic tendencies. Like I have a friend of mine I went to college with her. She's a very smart woman, uh, but she's not really a techie. And like she wrote a really long post today about how I'm finally taking a stand against Facebook. 
I'm quitting the service and I will never be back here again. And you can find me on Instagram. And I'm part of me. I'm like, I don't want to be that person. Like, well, actually, Jess, we need, you know, like. Gotta talk. But, Sit down, but, honey. But, but they've got so much money, even if Instagram went over to, tomorrow, like they would buy Twitter because they're in bad financial yeah, exactly. straits. Like, like this is not a realistic solution to the problem. And just as long no. as we're talking about fake solutions here, here's another one. I'm getting this on Twitter as we speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got to educate people. Um, everyone on this show today is hyper-educated on these issues. And as you said, Christina, we have to do this to have a career and to participate in society. I have to make compromises every day that I'm just not comfortable with. That's reality. Education is not an answer. Uh, Here's another one. Um, Just don't use it. Uh, You know, there is not one, not one, not one example in all of human history of us finding a technology that is useful, and then just voluntarily choosing not to use yep. it. There's not yep. one example of that. So no, you and can as long be, as you're logged right. in, it's still tracking you. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, right. okay, well, I'm exactly. just not going to open up the app. It's like, no. okay, <laughs> do you realize that if you're signed in at some point, like the cookies exist and it's still tracking you? And like... But you're right. I mean, I think those solutions are are, are, are are silly. And I also feel like, you know, people going through, and look, it's not a bad idea to go through the apps that have access to your data. Facebook, I think, should be horribly raked over the coals for how difficult they make it to um, remove access. And also the fact that you can't do it en masse. You've got to do it individually. And so if you're like me, and you used to have to review, you know, freaking web services for a living, <laughs> oh, gosh. and you have, uh, you've authorized 421 apps over the last 10 plus years, you know, to have access to some of your account information. The process of trying to de- decouple all that's like, I don't have that much time. I don't care. Right. I mean, I do care, right. but I've already, I long ago it's made my late. lot with life. Well, and I long Viking ago made funeral. my, per- I, I long ago made my lot with life that this is awful, but they know all this about me. It's kind of the same trade-off I've made with Google and I'm not happy with it. I just accept that it is what it is. And I also accept that because of my former job, I haven't been able to use Facebook like a normal person in about 10 years. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, I don't know. I, I, I just feel like Facebook could certainly make the process better. What I don't understand from is when we kind of look at solutions for these things, because Zuckerberg said in a blog post, and he also said in a CNN interview, because, you know, after this news hit, this, this, this news hit over the weekend, and it's really dominated the news all this week. And, and he and Sheryl Sandberg, who's the COO and, and, and the other person largely responsible for the company, basically went into hiding. Um, which, you know, just made the story even worse and it kind of refused to say anything. And it got so bad that tonight, right before we recorded this podcast, he did an interview with CNN's Lori Siegel on Anderson Cooper 360. And, uh, you know, the interview didn't reveal a whole lot except that he's, you know, still really bad at interviews. <laughs> um, but But she was asking him questions about how can you ensure that this isn't going to happen in the future? And he said, okay, well, we're going to have to go through an audit you know, all of these, these apps are going to have to audit thousands of apps because there used to be, because as you said, Simone, at the top of this, you know, the policy, um, it's been closed now, but we used to be able to get access to apps, you know, years past, they could access certain information and plenty of those apps still have authorization and might still have data things and data might've gone certain places. You know, it, it's unclear. They might not still be collecting, you know, friend information, but they could have had it at some point. 
Um, and, and so it's going to be a really difficult and long process for them to kind of see where all those hooks lie. What I don't understand, and, 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 and maybe, you know, I'm missing something. So if I am, you know, uh, readers at home, um, or listeners at home, please let me know um, on Twitter or otherwise. I would like to know, like, why they can't just kind of do a mass revocation to a certain degree of certain apps that say, OK, if I haven't logged in with this Facebook credential in 60 days, I'm going to revoke it and make the user manually re-enable it and, you know, assess that, yes, I really want this mm-hmm. um, and kind of reset things, but kind of stop the, the but, but kind of stop that access, if that makes any sense. Yeah, definitely. It I definitely like does. I mean, but I mean, he he gave like a really long uh, Facebook post today. And by the way, you can't block Mark Mark Zuckerberg on Facebook no, if you, you try. Can't. It won't no, let you. Can't. you. Um, but he he gave a bunch of BS answers today, which basically come down to, hey, I know this is like the fourth or fifth huge humongous <laughs> scandal that we've been embroiled in, but this is the time. Yeah. Christina Warren, this is the time. We're really gonna we're really gonna go change it all. And we're gonna we're gonna go through and we're really gonna just scrutinize this and if they're doing bad things. We're just gonna we're gonna kick them off the platform. As if Facebook get a promise. Okay. As if Facebook, you know, this is the thing that gets me. I know people that work at Facebook and they're nice people. But Mm -hmm. all respect to them, a commonality I see is kind of um, papering over the reality of what Facebook is. Oh, yeah. And I think that that I, I, I do. And, you know, I think it's you have to be honest about large institutions of power. And Facebook is a machine that's built to aggregate data, to pull people in, and to make a lot of money for that data. It doesn't give a frack about democracy. It doesn't give a frack about mm-hmm. privacy. And they no, will it coach never Mark has. Zucker- no, it never has. I mean, and, I mean, and I mean, literally, yeah. if you look at all the data scandals that Facebook has had over the years, and they've had so many that I can't even count them. I wrote something seven years ago. After the Facebook timeline came out where everybody was threatening to quit Facebook, and I wrote an article called, No, You're Not Going to Quit Facebook, basically explaining why quitting was much harder than you think. And I think that was probably the third or the fourth attempt at a user revolt, and that was seven years ago. I mean, I remember more than a decade ago, there was this this beacon privacy disaster where they, people realized that they were kind of tracking and selling advertiser information, and the company got a ton of uh, you know pushback, and they stopped it. And now, and then, it, you know, within a couple of years, it was status quo and was a sold product again. You know, I mean, it's like you're exactly right, Bree. People have to recognize honestly what the company is and what it's not now you can you can make the decision as 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 a user and i i I ultimately do think many users will that the trade-offs are worth it but it's you need to know what they are and i think it's especially you know governments need to be aware of what they are when we look at how advertising and other types of data collection and and you know sharing data is regulated well unfortunately i think i feel like governments love facebook or they should love facebook because it's all there. People are putting it all out there and it's information that we treat as totally innocuous and that we love to give out because it's fun. It's things that I like, things that I'm interested in, things that I want to talk about, but that removed from the human connection is analytics and it can be used to manipulate people. I mean, government, it's worth saying, this is not conspiracy theory stuff here. When we first started doing Facebook and a lot of social media, there was a certain amount of funding from 
uh, we'll just say Russia. the intelligence community uh, involved in that. And they yeah. they love getting that data. There's a reason surveillance capitalism is something we're starting to talk about more and more in the emphasis community. And that is because if the FBI or the CIA does something, there's a certain amount of rules about what they're doing. But they pay Facebook to get that same information for them. There are no rules. So I think you're exactly right, Simone. There's a a really perverse incentive here for everyone involved. I, we destroy wages to the point where people have to get services for free because most people don't have money to do it. And they make this Faustian deal where games are free and online mm-hmm. services mm-hmm. are free, and they'll do that. And then it turns around, they get all this data to market, 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 and control elections and to just really harm the country. And there's a whole list of stuff you could talk about that Facebook has has done that's terrible. They brought the news feed to fruition. Yes, it's great that I can share things like articles about feminism talking about me too, but it has a darker side. It leads to clickbaity journalism being on par with the stuff you do, Simone, or the stuff Mm -hmm. you do, Christina, the stuff that's completely devoid of fact-checking or any kind of reality. I I would actually say, I I would actually go a step further, because I don't necessarily think that people being able to share that stuff is as bad. I think the problem is that it's not a chronological feed, meaning that companies have been able to, through paying for ads or for abusing algorithms, made that content appear higher priority in people's streams. That's yep. what I would actually argue with. Not so much the existence people can share what they want, but yeah, you're you're right. You know, but but, but obviously, like the the newsfeed is one of those things. The the vast yep. collection of data. Mm-hmm. Google, you know, should be noted. You know, they collect a huge amount of of you know information and profile stuff too. The difference is, you know, Google hasn't ever had a successful social play, and so. Um, you know, YouTube not not notwithstanding, and, and YouTube is, is is a little bit different, um, actually a lot different. And so you haven't had what what's now closed, but but what Facebook had for so long, which is that like you know friend connection where you could say, oh, my friends like this information, and kind of get that longer you know long mm-hmm. tail kind of web of things, which which is what. But but you know, but Google has a lot of the same in, in, information as well. You know, the, these really complex really in-depth profiles that can help you kind of zone in on anything you need to know about a person. And then Facebook has a tool, as we've seen, where people can buy campaigns, even if they're targeted in really racist ways that say that says, I want to target this type of this exact demographic of person mm-hmm. and then buy ads on it and they'll show up in their newsfeed. And those ads work. Because yeah. ads work. So yeah. what do you do you think that there is a solution for consumers in this situation? I, I think with, you know, I don't understand a lot of things about like double derivative swaps, right? But when I invest in the stock market, we have an SEC that's underfunded and underpowered, but it's there looking at this stuff and regulating it and trying to act in the best interest of consumers. When I buy a drug, there is the FDA that's there making sure that what's in it is safe for me. Because it is not realistic to wish for this future where everyone's going to be hyper-educated or people are going to opt out. We've got to have someone in Washington looking at these things and making decisions in the interest of the American public. Mm -hmm. And my God, this is what really gets me. This used to be non-controversial. You know, in the 80s, I was watching uh, The Toys That Made Us on Netflix, and they were talking about how when G.I. Joe came out, there were rules 
on TV that showed you couldn't have an entire commercial with animation. You could do like a few seconds of that, but most of it had to be with the child playing with the toy. This stuff used to not be controversial about putting laws (laughs) on media that acted in the consumer's best interest. So these are three things we need to do today. We've got to expand the exact same laws for online advertising that we do for uh, traditional advertising, for print advertising and television advertising. I'm telling you as a candidate, I could say anything I wanted. I could have millionaires out there. I could call my millionaire friends and say, please put out ads for Brianna Wu, and they could just dump dark money into the system, mm-hmm. completely unregulated. That is not, it's it's anti-competitive with traditional media, mm-hmm. and we've just got to stop it. Yep. We have absolutely got to stop the botnets involved in information warfare. We've absolutely got to do that. There's a place for AI and artificial, like, you know, bots on Twitter and Facebook, but we've got to say, Twitter, your short-term growth is not more important than our ability to have a functional conversation as a democracy. Yeah, And we've got to put, we've got to regulate that. And the third most important thing here is you cannot say this strongly enough. The same thing Cambridge Analytica is doing your child on an Android phone is giving that same yep. information to God knows who oh. with no regulation yep. whatsoever. They're logging in with Facebook, giving access to contacts, data, photos, everything in your phone. And we have got to pass a comprehensive privacy bill of rights that gives consumers some power over this information. And we need to put it in encrypted format where users can revoke that. So, after Facebook loses your trust, it's not that you're going, oh, I'm going to quit Facebook. It's like, hey, I have all this data in an encrypted format, and I can nullify this and make sure you can never use this again or any of your partners will. That will create accountability. But until we start doing pragmatic things about that, I don't want to hear your high and mighty stuff about how you're going to quit Facebook because it's not realistic. Yeah, I, I agree with everything that you said. Um, I think that what I would kind of the only thing I, w- I might add to that, but I think that those are great points. And oh my gosh, Brie, you sound like a politician. It sounds like that's a stump speech. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah. No, no, no. I, I, I'm, I'm teasing you. It sounds great. Um, but but I I would say you know kind of in addition to those things, I think that we need to um, start really being. Uh, aware as if if we're going to talk about an education aspect, then all of us need to be accountable for understanding, like you were saying about, you know, your Android phones and your other devices, that this is stat, that this this is business as usual. This is legal. Mm -hmm. This is something that, that has been happening and that will continue to happen. And, um, we need to be aware of that and whether I, I think the web browsers should start doing a better job, you know, mm-hmm. of, of, of showing that sort of information. And I think that the big thing is, is, is the big challenge. I mean, you mentioned accountability. That's going to be the big t- sticking point. How do we hold companies responsible? How do we make sure that they are following the right rules? Because part of the problem is, I mean, in this case, you know, this this guy had an app. It had 240,000 users, and that ended up extrapolating into 50 million, um, you know, data points, uh, data points from 50 million people. Um, he you know, got them all to authorize the app and then he sold the data and yeah. they only were able to kind of find it out through, you know, whistleblowers and then some, some of their own means kind of looking at where stuff wound up. Um, these, uh, 
companies need who who are allowing companies to capture this information and 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 this 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 goes not just for Facebook but for Apple but for Google but for Microsoft but for you know insert Amazon you know any company that has a, a major API that people are plugging into to get information about things mm-hmm. to track you um, they they need to be held accountable for making sure that the people who use those APIs are using the data the right way yeah and of course like, like this- you know this particular situation that this story is about one company and one man in Facebook, but there are plenty of other apps at the time there before that are. permission was revoked that were accessing users but and users' access- friends. And that was allowed. And we don't know how many of that, how many of that, how many of those data sets were sold. I also feel like when these things happen, and this is something that, that, that Lori Siegel really kind of criticized Zuckerberg for, and he didn't have a good answer for it, was companies should have to reveal this. If you find something out about this, you know, Facebook found out in 2015, um, the Guardian told them. Not only did they not tell the public, they tried to sue the Guardian, mm. okay? They, they went after the press and threatened lawsuits and, and threatened other access and went on the, you know, total, you know, a defensive in this situation rather than, than coming clean. And they only came forward about the information on Friday night last week when it was clear that the New York Times and the Guardian were about to bu- publish this blockbuster yep. story. Mm-hmm. And yep. they presented it in a way yep. where they were the victim and look at us, poor us, our data was used with, without our knowledge. And then all of a sudden people started saying, oh my gosh, our information was hacked and they had to step it back. No, 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 no. We weren't insecure, we promise. It's just they violated our terms of service and blah, 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 blah. And it's like... You know, you're not the victim here, Facebook. No, nope. you're not yeah. the victim, and and I'm and, and and any attempts to sell it that way are preposterous. Um, but it's also preposterous that a public company doesn't reveal the sort of information that it's collecting, especially when you know it, they are responsible for so much advertising. I mean, at this point, the biggest um, online advertisements, you know, the, the two companies that run online advertising are Facebook and Google. That's it. Yep. And yep. and no one else even comes close to mattering. And it's as you said. It's absolutely like insane to me that they aren't held to the same standards, not just for election um, sorts of stuff, but for any sort of advertising standards um, that the, the broadcast um, and uh, and radio are held to. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. it, it's 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 really nuts. And and I'm not a uh, I'm not a regulation junkie, um, but but it just seems ridiculous to me that you can get away with running any type of ad campaign you want in any way, um, you know, on a digital platform that you could never get away with in another medium as if they are different. They're no longer different. And if, if anything, one is, you can be so much more targeted that the, the internet is, is, is far worse. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say this. I am more familiar than anyone here with how messed up the FEC law is and how antiquated everything about it is, right? So I I agree with you, Christine. I'm not like a pro-regulation person when it comes to technology. But it's like the FEC does important stuff. And as much of a pain in the butt it is for me personally, it's got to be done. And it's the exact same thing with Facebook here. And I I have to say this. You're talking about the insincerity of Facebook when all this stuff was coming out. I've seen reports, and I'm waiting to really see this in like a, a huge New York Times piece or like a long form, you know, AAA gold journalism piece. But we've seen reports saying things to the effect of 
when uh, British officers came in and raided Cambridge Analytica, that Facebook was right there yep. trying to get the data and destroy it and oh, we'll capture it, to put it in their words. And when they are have their lawyers sicked on The Guardian trying to sue them and shut down this story, and then they're coming out in the media the next day like, oh, we're the victim here. Oh, <laughs> I just want to scream because it is so unbelievably phony and mm-hmm. disingenuous. And they have pulled this lawyer trick time after time after time, which is why Mark Zuckerberg can go on CNN tonight and say, sure, I'll testify, but I know it's a lie of because of his history. Well, and, and, because and, and, of, even, right. and, even, and even in that, he gave himself an out if I'm the right. only subject matter expert. And right. he would definitely be able to say, well, you know, I'm the CEO of the company, right. but I'm not really the expert in how this algorithm works and da-da-da-da-da-da. And he passed yep. it off to someone else. <laughs> and <laughs> and I would say one more thing. The one good news, the one good thing I can think about this is that, you know, for the last year, since since the 2016 election, Mark Zuckerberg has gone on this terrible tour through America where he's tried to be a His comic folk. His journey not, of, of growth and humanity. <laughs> right. Which, which, you know, is, is, is laughable and BS and all that stuff. But a lot of people had said that this was him toying around for a run for public office. Now, <laughs> I always thought that he's unelectable, period. He would never get elected. There's There are certain traits to his personality that just he's not electable. But this... This ruins it. I think that, that no yep. matter what stupid ambitions he had to maybe do this, this no one in their right mind would ever say to him, no, none of the people that he pays lots and lots of money to advise him of things would would let him think that he had any chance of doing of ever running public office, at least not in the next like, you know, yeah. 10 years. It, it's over. I would say this too. I like her, or I've historically liked her, but Sheryl Sandberg. Her aspirations, and you know, there there are very strong reports that says that if Hillary Clinton had won, she would have been ha- been offered a cabinet position. Sheryl yeah. Sandberg's um, uh, options of running for public office are over as well. So the I only yeah. the the only good thing with this, in my opinion, is that Mark Zuckerberg cannot distract us and try to run for public office, which to me would just be an awful thing. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's really good. I, I with Cheryl Sandberg, I have to say this. I have heard And this is going to be your so, final statement on the issue. Yes, sorry, sorry, Simone. I know You're I'm good. so passionate. Tell today. us about uh, Cheryl Sandberg. I've heard Lean so in, many Bree. stories from from women <sighs> in tech that have been personally uh, like everything I hear about her is that she's a genuine warm person that yeah. when there was no win in it, she's gone out of her way to like help people. I've heard um, that too. Especially women in, in their careers. I think this is so exemplary of what goes on at Facebook. Everyone I know there personally, I think they're a good person. I think if like a puppy were lost in the street, they would drop everything and go save the puppy. I think they're good people. But this company is a machine. And what I see about the culture from the outside is it fosters a really unrealistic sense of idealism and techno-utopianism that is really divorced from the issues at hand. So it's like, I feel so torn because I can see Sheryl Sandberg doing good things for women I know and care about, but I also see her at the helm of a company that's unbelievably bad for America. Mm -hmm. And I just want to say like, that's a nuance I think is hard for a lot of people to think about, but I think it's, it's true for everyone involved here. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Text Expander from our friends at Smile. 
you can communicate smarter with Text Expander. Create snippets for the things that you type or copy and paste all the time. No more, no more of that. No more of typing than copy and pasting. Just set up snippets. You can set up snippets for website URLs, for email addresses, for today's date, for answers to questions that you get asked all the time. And then you summon those snippets like some kind of time efficiency magician in any app on Mac, on Windows, iPhone, and iPad using an abbreviation or searching for them with a hotkey while you're typing. You can even tailor each snippet with fill-in fields if you need a little more personalization. Ponder this. You can create an email reply system with Text Expander and have a snippet on hand for every type of email that you send. And Text Expander now has a crossover with the Drafts app, so you can use your snippets in Drafts for super-powered productivity. It should be illegal so productive saving time or stealing time think on that (laughs) you can power up your entire team by sharing snippets yes so if you spend any amount of your day typing you need text expander you can make your entire team super powered time thieves by sharing snippets and all the time that you spend typing things over and over every day the things you type every day just suck it out. Just instead of copy pasting, <laughs> you're 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 cutting, you're command Xing because that time is gonna be like taken out of your day and, and then added wait, 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 back in, in a different way. So yeah. When we're yeah, planning yeah. rocket, when we're planning rocket and we say Gonna be fifteen minutes late. Oh my god! Oh my god! We can make it. Tra- we can share it. I love. We this. would steal oh. time. We would steal time for ourselves that then we could use to be later to the show. Oh my! I god. was gonna say. Oh my god! It's so real. <laughs> <laughs> that's honestly too real, Bree. <laughs> Take it, it is. Back. No, by God. That's. But you guys, this is really good news. We can like. We can save seconds off of our late <laughs> oh, our early conversation. I'm so proud. Oh my <laughs> I'm dying. Oh. Go to textexpander.com slash podcast for 20% off your first year. Just tell them that you heard about them on this show, Rocket. That's textexpander.com slash podcast. You can open that up right now and get 20% off your first year when you tell them that you came from Rocket. Thank you so much, Text Expander, for your support of Rocket and Relay FM. So here's another thing that I could do with the snippet from Text Expander, and that's when I fill out the show notes every week. It'll say Rocket episode, it'll have a space for title, it'll have a space for description, and then it'll just have a heading underneath that that says Uber Disaster. Uh-huh. And I shouldn't joke about this because someone actually died. So... Uh, this week, hey, uh, but but I am going to make a joke uh, uh, that that I w- I was going to say uh, you know Uber was very lucky that Facebook messed up more because for the first time uh, <laughs> I was actually going to make this joke I was going to make this joke before I saw Ricky Mandelo uh, one of uh, our favorite Rocket listeners make it on Twitter but but I I said that I'd give him a shout out but I was going to like you know what it was a bad week for Uber but it was also a pretty great week for Uber to have a bad week it is it is certainly getting <laughs> genuinely. I think buried more more than it would otherwise. Uh, so Uber, a self-driving Uber car that was being tested in Arizona this week did hit a woman and uh, she died in the hospital. 
Uh, and this is this is the first death from a self-driving car that was that was not a driver in the car. There was one uh, that te- Tesla had somebody a driver die during a test. I think a couple of years back. Uh, well, no, that that was with autopilots. Oh, with um, autopilot. and, which is okay. different. So okay. this is the first death in a self-driving car, and there was a driver behind the wheel, but he you know didn't intervene. It was completely running on its own. He didn't have his you know hands on the steering wheel or anything like that. He was yeah. just in the car, which is mandated by these tests. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, but yeah, but the, so, big, the big news here is that this is the first automated car. Um, that's this caused the death of someone mm-hmm. the, the Tesla case you know that was partially automated that was that was um you know um uh like I said um was that the one that uh went under the tractor trailer or yeah it- and that was also the guy who turned out was like he was like literally watching DVDs well as you do <laughs> so Uber um, can has- I ask have y'all seen the video yet no um, I don't think I'm going to watch, watch the that. Video. Yeah. You really don't want to watch it. Yeah. It is, I, I, I genuinely still have PTSD from being hit by the car. So I like, oh God. I'm not, so I'm yeah. not going to watch that. Yeah. Don't watch yeah. this. Um, uh, so Uber has wow. stopped all of its self-driving tests um, in, in the United States uh, after this uh, clearly. And to, semi unrelated but making matters worse uh people for uber which again i don't have a problem with uh people are pointing to uh quotes from anthony Lewandowski uh from the uber waymo trial which was of course the trial about uber allegedly taking waymo's uh self-driving technology when anthony Lewandowski left waymo um he in emails to larry page when he was at google uh was very pro getting more cars on the road for testing um, and sort of disregarding the need for backups, redundant brakes and steering uh, and in favor of better software. So I, I don't specifically think that this is relevant to like directly relevant to what happened this week in Arizona, but it again is just part of this trend of Uber culture trying to look as bad as possible at every single turn. Yeah, I would also say that even though the circumstances around this death now that they've been investigated, it seems to be some of the most some of the latest reporting indicates that the the uh, pedestrian was pushing a bicycle that had cans on it and she was walking in um uh you know a, a non-pedestrian lane and kind of seemed to kind of appear out of nowhere um and uh you know was was herself probably you know violating traffic violation and, and, and people have said that a, a a car manned by a human wouldn't have been able to stop um even seeing that stuff around you know regardless of, of whether it could have been prevented or whether it would have happened with a regular driving car or not the fact that you now have your first death of a person in a self-driving mm-hmm. car is is going to cause lots of issues and i think that what adds to that is when you have you know someone like lewandowski who is one of the brightest minds in self-driving tech um, saying those sorts of things, it just gives because this is this is largely a PR problem more than it is a technical problem, and and, um, and, and that I don't know well, if I agree with that. Well, I, video, I think right now so, it is. I, yeah. I, I think that okay, I think the PR yeah. problem. Would, I think that right now the PR problem could lead to hindrances in whether the tech gets better. Mm-hmm. I think that there are real problems with the tech, but I don't think that. But I think that what what ends up stopping potential innovation and this sort of thing is um, having have you know people dying. And, um, I, yeah. and I'll, and I'll so just I, point out, apropos of this, that the the law of the road is that even if a pedestrian is jaywalking, 
it is always the driver's fault. Oh, of course. So but we do what I'm need saying, to, though, yeah. Yes, I, 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 I didn't mean to imply it was it was the the, the pedestrian's fault. I'm just saying that the, the reporting has indicated that it's the sort of scenario where this is, uh, you know, it could uh, have um, happened. Uh, yeah, where this was a there was a this was a crash that would have occurred or could have occurred regardless of of whether the car was being driven mm-hmm. by a human or or, or a machine. Um, yeah. But I just think that when you have commentary about how, you know, we need to get more cars on the road and, and care less about, you know, brakes and testing and that sort of thing, that just leads to the overall, I think, level of discomfort that the public has and that regulators, frankly, have or should have when it comes to assessing this sort of technology. Yeah. I mean, I have I have two things to say about this. Um, and seriously, Christine, I hope this doesn't upset you, like no. talking about the video <laughs> It doesn't. Yeah, um, go ahead. So, you see it from two positions. Um, the first is through the the front of the car as they're driving along. It's at night. Um, it's not particularly well lit. Um, and I think if it were a human driving the car, uh, this woman would have been hit. Um, so kind of you have about three seconds where you see this woman across the road, and she's just hit at a very high speed. Um, and then it comes back to the person that was behind the wheel and he's just sitting there surfing on his phone the whole time and then hits the woman very violently. Uh, there's no doubt to me that she could not have survived that crash. So to me, this brings two thoughts to mind. Uh, you know, Uber, uh, has LIDAR and other, you know, night driving technologies built into it. So it brings to mind the really big technical question. If you get in a Tesla X, it will search down the road and it will actually identify things like trucks, cars, bicycles, large box cars, uh, all these different things in the road. The Uber technology utterly failed to see mm-hmm. this woman. Right. And it should have been able to stop with enough time to to break, even though there was low light. Mm-hmm. It just flat out didn't detect her. So that, to me, signifies a very high level of uh, technical issue here with the car. To me, uh, did you want to say something? Yeah, that? I was going to say, I, yeah, mean, I agree with ahead. that. I guess what yeah. I was saying before that I didn't see this as a technical problem is that in the sense that if your goal, and obviously the goal is they should be safer than regular cars, I you know, and, and I'm in agreement with you. I think that the tech can get better. I just feel like right now, because we are still obviously in the early stages of this, I feel like the the bigger question for a lot of people, you know, it, it's coming around. The fact that it happened at all, regardless of, you know, I mean, it, I don't know. I, I feel like if, if, if a, this, it, it's somewhat, it's not mitigated, but it is somewhat like, if this is an accident that would have occurred in a regular car, yeah, then, then it, it you know, the, the technology, obviously, the goal, as you said, should be to be, or as I said, should be better than that. But yeah. if this would have happened in a regular car, I do think that it's not, you know, that that's that's something to keep in mind, just in, in terms of you know where the technology is. I, I I don't. I think it's important, I guess, to point out that it's not as if a regular regular cars are are you know do a, would do a better job necessarily of being I, able to. I do want to say I think if I'd been behind the wheel of that car, I would have had my lights on bright. Because there weren't cars around, and I would I would not be driving fifty in that much of the dark. If that makes sense to you, sure. Uh, so, but I mean that that's aside. To me, this is the really key issue here, and 
it's worth saying to to everyone, like, if I win my race, I will be sitting on the science and space uh, technology subcommittee, which has a lot of power over issues exactly like this. We will be working the legislation to do the framework for driverless cars. So one of the things I've, I've really been thinking about a lot is public trust. Mm-hmm. And to me, I think if you are developing um, a technology that is lethal to be used in public spaces, to be used around people that have no consent, no relationship with your company, nothing, I think that your company has a high degree of public trust is really, really, really critical. And to me, if you go through the entire um, laundry list of Uber scandals, of which we've covered very <laughs> generously on this show, everything from Uber willfully deceiving regulators, everything from Uber deceiving their way into the app store and hiding the way that their data is used, everything from stomach-churning sexual harassment scandals, um, just the entire pattern with this company is one of extreme lawlessness. So I I personally am very much for the development of autonomous driving technology. But I think when it comes to Uber, I don't have any faith and I don't think the public should either. I think when they say they're cooperating with investigators, I don't know why I should believe that. I yeah. think when they say they're going to do the right thing here with their technology... I don't know why I should believe that. And I really want to contrast this. I'm not trying to suck up to Microsoft, Christina, just because you work there. But I think if you look in issues of government regulation and like hot issues over the past 15 years, I think they've done a much better job than average. So if a Microsoft were developing this technology, I would feel much more comfortable because there's a high degree of compliance with public safety. Um, but I just, I feel like Uber is absolutely the wrong company to be spearheading this. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And, and, I, and I mean, in, in fairness, you know, Uber is, has partnered with, uh, with, with Volvo and with Carnegie mm-hmm. Mellon and, yeah. and with other, you know, experts in this area. They're certainly, you know, their technology is certainly involved in this, but a lot of this has been academically studied other places. And, and that's how this stuff works. And obviously, you know, Google has been doing tests as well, but not to this level. But I think you're right. And I think that it's, it's interesting to kind of envision an alternate universe where if the Susan Fowler situation had happened a year earlier, would Uber have been approved for the self for, for for the road um, tests? Would 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 that company have been given the green light? Because when they were given the green light to start doing the road tests in in um in in Pennsylvania and um in some of the other areas, the outlook on the company from the public perspective was different. Mm. And so it's interesting to kind of consider would that have mattered or not? And I and I guess it's worth noting too if after companies have permission to do these things, if public trust in those companies changes, you know, should there be a period where they have to reapply um, to continue to have access to the roads yeah. and that sort of thing? Yeah. 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 Simone, what do you think? I feel like Christine and I have talked so yeah, much I agree. Today. Yeah, I agree. We're so angry. No, no. I, it's just coming out on the show. I feel, I feel like you both have more... Of a, of a knowledge base on the both the political and like the technical aspects of this, I'm just I like you said Uber has zero credibility with the public at this moment in time, and I'm I'm kind of I, I don't know uh, it's difficult because I feel like there are a lot of 
a lot of companies that we could say that for. Uber just happens to keep stepping in it over and over again. And I don't <laughs> trust them as far as I can throw them. And I, I, I'm kind of stumbling over and over again on this problem of how do we advance with self-driving cars? Because the only way we, it's in that this Ouroboros where the only way to get the technology, the software up to the point that it can be safe is to test it. The only way to test it is in authentic conditions, which is on the road where people could die. How, how do we handle this in other industries? I'm sure that there are other times when we have needed to test cutting edge technology and Drugs. have risk people's lives. Like, I mean, drones is the example that I go to right away. Um, yeah, I was, I'm sure I was the military tests airplanes. Like, they, yeah. they have airplanes. Well, I mean, I was, just, I was just saying antibiotics. Yeah, antibiotics. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. It Uber freaking sucks. <laughs> and I, I feel like we're at kind of kind of an impasse where we ask ourselves, do... It, are self-driving cars different from other things that we test on people? Do we want to continue risking people's lives to te- to get this technology? And are we, if we are saying no for self-driving cars, what do we what do we say about all the other things that can kill us? And I, I don't think yeah. anyone's saying no to self-driving cars, but like yeah, compare no, this I, to, to yeah. Boston Robotics. What's the name of the the shop here that makes the killer scary robot videos? Oh, yeah, it's yeah. Boston Robotics. Boston, yeah. Uh, yeah, Boston, uh, Boston, Boston uh, Dynamics. Boston, Boston Dynamics, Dynamics yeah. 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 It used to be owned by Google and then were sold, yeah. Right. So, you know, if Boston, Boston Dynamics is essentially developing technology that – it it's eventually going to have some really good applications, right? Like I can imagine uh, a situation where a robot like that could be sent into uh, a building where a shooter is there uh, yep. with a gun, and then no one has to risk their life. That's a very positive application. But if Boston Dynamics had this level of scandal here in Boston and that level of um, record of not doing the right thing, um, I don't think any of us would feel very comfortable when they got to the the, the planning stage here. So yeah, I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I would say that even if they did, even in the best case scenario, if they did actually have the public trust, the first time that one of those robots killed someone who was unarmed or was not a threat, yeah, it would be a huge scandal. Yeah, and it would be a absolutely. huge problem. And yeah. I was, I was, I was on a, a, you know, me who doesn't have a driver's license. I was on a panel at um, uh, the uh, New York Auto Show last year about self-driving cars. And I think I even said that on the panel because we were all talking about it. And I said, okay, you know, a death is going to happen. We all, we all know it's going to. It's just a matter of when. What does that do to the research? What does that do to the industry? And um, that's something we're going to have to grapple with. And, and we'd have to do that with or without Uber. But I think that Uber being at the center of it makes it an even um, trickier conversation to have because, yeah. as Simone pointed out, they have so much baggage. Mm-hmm. Well, shall we move <laughs> on to dessert? Yeah. Yes. Do you – you have both seen Tomb Raider. <laughs> I have not. I, have. I haven't have seen not. it. Oh, I have no. not. Have you no. not? No, I have not. No, I just I've wanted to. I just I love her, but no, I have not seen it. I want she's to. She's so hot. She's, she's so, so hot. hot. That, that's oh, really God. all I care about. If yeah. I'm being honest. Okay, what if we sort of double feature this? Because Brie, you've seen Tomb Raider, and I'm I watching have. season two of Jessica Jones. <gasps> Ooh, yeah, I'm watching it as well. I'm not done with it, but yeah, I'm watching it as well. Uh, okay. Oh, 
Okay, so should we do a, a double feature of awesome uh, kick butt ladies, or should we talk about Jessica Jones? Well, let's. I I just want to touch on Tomb Raider. Yeah, yeah, please do. We have room for both. It is super like the video game, and uh, you know I have to say, which video game that the new series, uh, the twenty thirteen reboot, reboot, okay, fantastic, which is by far my favorite game. I've written about how much I love that game for Polygon, just beyond amazing. And just in case our listeners don't know this game, like uh, Lara Croft had started as kind of this hyper sexualized character that you know was one of the first gamer, you know, really big major women in games. Yes, uh, but, but she was hyper-sexualized. Uh, her, her boobs are out and, you know, just in a way that was, it, it was very 90s, I will say. <laughs> I mean, there was, so, there was a lot to be, there was a lot made of, of, of how her boobs looked when she jumped right. up and down because she was one of the first 3D kind of, you know, games and Absolutely. you could see movement and that was yep. awesome. It was, I remember being a little girl and being so excited <laughs> to see a female <laughs> in video games. Right. Yeah. And then being like, really? And then all the media's her like getting out of, you know, wetsuit. Uh so the reboot of it. I want to say I would give this uh I would give the reboot movie probably uh an 8 or a 9 on a feminist scale. Uh it gets rid of some of the really cool intersectional characters in like the 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 game, but overall it's like her sidekick is like a, you know, like a, an Asian guy. Um, and she's, it, it, there's no shot, like in the original Tomb Raider, like it starts and she's in short shorts and like this robot claw comes out and bam, slaps right between her legs. It's so hyper-sexualized. And then she's in a shower for no reason. (laughs) There's nothing like that in the Tomb Raider reboot. And she's, she's unbelievably gorgeous, but the focus is always on her as a person and her emotions. So um, it's it's really the best case. It, it's the best version of this movie I could have imagined with this budget and with this level of promotion. So um, that's really good, good to hear. I enjoyed it. Yeah, that, that makes me really excited because you know I'm a big Angelina Jolie fan, but I didn't love the Tomb Raider movie in the 2000s in that series. Yeah, you know, same. like. I, I I thought in many ways that she a well it's not it's not even a, a thought it's it's the fact she was too good for the material both the yep. source material and the and the script that ended up running Angelina Jolie you know was at that point an Oscar winner now Alicia Vikander is also an Oscar winner but it's different like you know from what you're saying it seems like this film at least has a, a decent script, maybe not like Oscar winning or whatever, but it is it is at least good. Whereas you know the the Jolie films or not. And, you know, it was very much kind of, you know, it was great that Angelina Jolie was in this big budget film and was kind of able to be in an action franchise, but it kind of sucked that she'd gone from winning Oscars and, and, and Golden Globes to, you know, having right. a And I feel like semi, semi-related to this, like, dudes get to be in acclaimed movies and then go off and do, like, summer blockbusters all the time. Not, I'm not saying Angelina Jolie's Tomb Raider qualifies as that. It sounds garbage, but like this is fun. <laughs> this is a a blockbuster. Well, no, well, should well, be well, the difference is, yeah. is, that, is that right? Well, what I was going to say is I think that we. It's actually only been recently that you've even. Like, although actually, I, I would kind of say, as bad as it was in some ways, the Angelina Jolie Tomb Raider is probably other than Aliens, the Alien series, one of the only female uh, led action franchises. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. 
and, and and certainly was kind of the first one of that era. And I think without it, you wouldn't have had Mad Max or Charlie's Thrones like rise into being like genuine badass, mm. multifaceted, um, uh, you know, uh, action hero. Which I think is all what kind of leads us to That's an interesting not way just to look the reboot, not not just the reboot of the Tomb Raider game series, which obviously is integral for this, but the fact that they would cast it the way they cast it and make it this clearly not TNA action role, which it, it's really not. Yeah. Um, it, it, there's the, like the first scene in the movie, this isn't really a spoiler, but it like, it shows her where like she's, she's struggling to get by financially and there's like a, a bike. She's working as a bike messenger and they, she, people are chasing her in a race for her to like make money. And like, there's so many ways you could have done that where it was like hypersexualized. It's not, it's like her out there being an awesome athlete and just absolutely crushing it. It's always on her emotions. I think that the one criticism I would say is some of the most interesting characters from the game were left out. There's a character in the 2013 game. There's a washed up, 80s uh like television uh like indiana jones type that had his own adventure show around the globe and he's the biggest fake jerk store that ends up selling out every single one of Mm -hmm. them and that is such a great character and he doesn't exist here and uh like the the um the the bad person in this i'm not going to spoil it they don't exist here and it's just, it's like a hyper-simplified version of the video game. But anyway, mm-hmm. let's talk Jessica Jones. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> so I I had been uh, initially, I was worried about this because Susanna uh, was given the first, I think, four or so episodes for Netflix to review. And she was very down on it. Um, she was also down on the new Tomb Raider, by the way. But as I haven't seen it, I'm not going to talk about that. I want people to go into it and form their own opinions. Enjoy the f- Enjoy your life. Um, she was super down on the first four episodes. And I put it on the other night. Just like I had a nice night of lying in bed in the dark watching TV. And it's still the best Netflix Marvel show that Absolutely. exists. Like yep. it, yep. the stakes don't initially start as high as season one of Jessica Jones. But it's still just like really friggin enjoyable it's like good writing. Seat of your yeah. pants, like kind of nerve-wracking and and very just good to watch. Good television. And then I agree with you. really good. And then ha- <laughs> cuz again, yeah, she was, I'm all- yeah. Yeah, I'm only a couple episodes in, so I want to hear kind of have you watched the whole thing, Simone? Nope, I am I won't I won't say how many episodes in that I am, just know that it's more than 4, which is what Susanna reviewed. And she went after getting the full season of when it was released on Netflix, revised her review uh, to say that it is great. And I will say that it is great. Things happen. I mean, I, I've seen the whole series. And I'm not going to spoil it here. I, I would say this. Kilgrave was one of the best villains of any comic book series ever. Just point yeah, blank. I, yeah, great premise. That. Uh, really tied into like the the abuse of women in society in a really awesome, interesting narrative way. We were creeped out in every scene. Like that is a really high bar to top. Yeah. And this season, how can I put this? The villain is something that we've very rarely seen explored in comic book theories. 
in, in movies, and but it comes off as a little bit of a melodrama because of that. And it's definitely not as high a stakes as the first season of Jessica Jones. That said, the individual character moments and the individual character um, arcs are so unbelievably good and the writing is so good that it's still worth your time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely feel like even knowing as much as I know, the the heights to which the Kilgrave arc re- goes, like like you said, it would be nigh impossible to build something up, especially introducing the the main, the crux of it as late as they do in the season. Like Kilgrave from episode one, we were like, this is what's happening and it is terrifying and it is intense. It is a ride all the way through. This does take some time to ramp up and the ramp up I, I really enjoyed. It's entertaining, but the stakes are not the same. Yeah. Yep. Keep watching it, Christina. <laughs> okay, I'm excited about it. No, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna make it my mission to finish it um, by, by the end of the weekend. No, I think that sounds great. I, um, I would say, so I was annoyed by some of the critiques that I read of some of the things saying, uh, you know, that it didn't go far enough, or in the wake of the Me Too movement, it would seem to this and to that. And I don't know, I can't kind of get behind some of those those critiques. I will say this, like it's it's because I feel like it's unfair to kind of judge a show like Jessica Jones, which has done such a good job in so many ways on you know having to hold it to 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 standards just because those things make us feel better in some sense you know what i mean yeah yeah, um, yeah. i i i don't want to kind of you know mess up artistic integrity of certain things just because people um are are, are want suddenly, them to say a certain thing exactly yeah. It, yeah. I, I i i actually find that really really troubling because i i don't feel like stories should have to always have an agenda for those types of things. But I, 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 you know, what I noticed so far is while I would say it's not as good as the first season, it's certainly not bad. And I haven't gotten into, you know, the crux of the whole thing. It's still very well done. The acting is fantastic. The direction is good. The, 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 the characters are top notch. To me, that's much more important in some ways than some of the arc things, especially with Netflix shows, because so many of them don't have good second seasons. Yeah. And yeah, this definitely, I, sorry, finish your thought. I know I was going to say, but so many of them don't have second seasons. And unlike regular television shows, where at least because they are usually still in production when they're airing, showrunners have a time have the chance to retool things and make changes on the fly in the era of binge watching, where the production is completed once it starts airing. It's you don't over. have any of those those yeah. chances. Yeah. So that's that's a really good thing to know because um, you know there is, especially with the Americans. Uh, going off the air after this season, I think that there's been a dearth of really strong kind of like female characters in this type of genre. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, 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 and there's, there's a lack of it. I think Jessica Jones is really unique in that sense, not just for comic book stuff, but just kind of in the noir kind of, you know, dark television thing. Otherwise, cause I think it's basically, you've got, you've got Jessica Jones, you've got Homeland, you've got the Americans. And, and I think that's, yeah, me too. But, and I think that's basically it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, but you know, it, when, when you come to kind of really strong, complicated female characters on television right now, and, and, and maybe house of cars will surprise us. I don't know. Um, and uh, I don't know. I, I'm just always excited to see more of those sorts of things, regardless of, yeah. of uh, whether the plot is as compelling or not. I'm just happy to see more complex and complicated, you know, female-driven um, uh, more of yes. dramas. And I, I hope that that's what people take away from Jessica Jones and its hopeful success. Yeah, I want to go back to something you were saying, Christina, about how people critiquing this season for not saying more about the Me Too movement. I think the biggest... Um, 
like the the biggest waste of Jessica Jones we could possibly have is if we made this show like yet another show that puts a woman, a camera in a woman's face as she's enduring rape or trauma or physical abuse or something else and just lived it up, right? There's so much of that. And the only reason those themes were interesting in season one is because it was in a way we had never seen explored before. What I really appreciate about this season, I'm I'm not going to spoil it, but I will say pretty much all of the characters involved in this season are women. And it's really more about the complicated relationships women have with each other. And like they're the glory and the deepness and the closeness and the the stress that can happen there. And I would a million times rather that be the fate of the future of Jessica Jones than it being a bad superhero take on Law and Order Special Victims Unit. That's just not what I want. This is mm-hmm. an awesome character. I want her to have her own journey and discover herself. And that's what I'm interested in. Yeah, 100% agree. What are you up to this week, Bree? Uh, I gave speeches. I've given speeches. <laughs> I'm doing fundraising. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I did NBC tonight. Um, I'm going to try to get enough time to do an op-ed for the Washington Post tomorrow on this Cambridge Analytica thing. Hey-o. If I can find it a few hours, but honestly, I'm overworked on my campaign. Just trans- get someone to. to transcribe everything you said during that segment, and then just send that in. <laughs> just write it off. I'll be done. Yeah, it's Great. fine. Yeah, Christina, what are you up to? So um, I am. Uh, I'm planning. I'm uh, hosting um, the launch of a uh, kind of an event space that we've got in Seattle um, <clears> next <throat> week. I'm going to put a thing on Twitter. So if you're in, if you're a developer in the Seattle area and you want to stop by next week, please uh, please do. You can sign up. We've got limited spots of tickets, so that'll be really cool. Um, so I'm that that I'm kind of planning for that. Writing and I, I've got a conference. I've got some conferences coming up that I'm I'm writing talks for and that sort of thing. Yes, you get to be uh-huh. a face. And a voice. Yeah. That's so exciting. I, I know. I'm excited. <laughs> uh, we, I, 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 I found out I'm, I'm going to Brazil in April. So oh, my I'm very God. About that. oh. That's awesome. Do you, you have, uh, for the, the conference, <laughs> will you have a link for me to put in the show notes for that? Yes, right. I will. Okay, cool. And me, what am I doing? Uh, I was trapped at home today because of the snow. Um, I'm just continuing to make uh, videos. I don't have anything specific that I'm talking about right now, but I have been playing... Fortnite, because the entire world is playing Fortnite. Yeah. I mean, thank, 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 thank you, Drake. Thanks, Drake. God, that <laughs> honestly, was freaking ridiculous. Though, honestly, that was one of the best things I've ever seen in my entire life, though. It was. It honestly, honestly was. That, honestly, I, like, I'm I not even mad that it happened. Drake, it's like two Drake in the morning. Did what? Drake, Drake started playing Fortnite with the biggest Fortnite player. He streamed oh. on Twitch. Like he just oh. joined uh, who uh, a person ninja who is like big ninja. in the world of Fortnite and Twitch. Like he's the like Christina said he's, he's the biggest, biggest Fortnite Twitcher. player. But he's not Drake big, except now he is no. Drake big because Drake was like, dude, I'm gonna slip into your DMs and then we're gonna play Fortnite together, which is the greatest thing that's ever happened to Twitch and, and to gaming. Wow. And and and, and then uh, then like Drake's friends wanted to get involved. Like it was rad. It was so good. Travis and and Scott this was ninja there. who's Ninja, who seems like a genuinely nice guy, like He's I haven't read anything gross heck. about him. Yeah, but he seems like a really nice guy. Like he doesn't seem like a creep, like some of the Twitch streamers are. Yeah. And so I'm really happy that he's now making like five hundred thousand dollars a month. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Off <sighs> of Twitch, which is insane. I love the world. Good All for right. you, Ninja. Brianna, where can we find you online? 
Uh, you can find me uh, on Twitter at Space Cat Gal. If you want to support the policies that Christina and I just went off on in an angry girl tornado, <laughs> you can do that by going to supportbriana.com. Yes, you can. And Christina, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me at film underscore girl on uh, the uh, the Twitters, the Instagrams, etc. And you can find my videos for work at uh, Microsoft or YouTube.com slash Microsoft Developer. You can find me on Twitter at Doom Quasar and at YouTube.com slash Polygon. And you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts where you can rate and review it and tell your friends all about it. Share it with them. Share the joy. Share it with a family member who quit Facebook this week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Is your dad going to come back? Is no, your dad he's not coming back. back. Like honestly, it's it's for the best. Like I have him on WhatsApp, which I'm sure we'll see uh, all kinds of fun news about whatever. Every everything is doomed. Um, I'm proud of him because he's hated Facebook for a long time. No, so. I'm proud of him too. <laughs> honestly, look, I wish that my father would quit Facebook because then I wouldn't see his political conversation, his political remarks, and I wouldn't want to, you know. Yeah, I, I, wish, I wouldn't have to do that. Here's what I wish. I wish that when I wanted to sign up for a new website, I had the strength of character to not click sign in with Facebook every single time. But <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I, I had a tweet thread that went viral about the pervasive use of, of single sign-on stuff with things like Facebook and and, and how it's become a d- d- best practice that developers have been told to adopt for 10 years and that that's largely kind of, a lot. you know, yet, a, yet an additional, like, problem with all of this stuff like some yep. people are like oh just quit facebook it's like and let me and double check with every single website that i may or may not have a membership with <laughs> right so before <sighs> before we say our catchphrase to end the show yes. christina i'm looking here uh i'm trying to subscribe to you on youtube i typed in channel nine microsoft no, which no, of no, these channels am i it, doing? it's microsoft developer is the username okay yeah that's the first one so Yay. awesome so- all right. Oh has like my a little God, channel Christine's nine icon. the first thing I see. That's <laughs> yeah. awesome. Her face is there. This episode <laughs> of Rocket is terminated. 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 <laughs>